This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1178. Thanks to the room of the viewers there. And I am Rob Jan, Jan Solo today. And our episode is entitled Wake the Undead. Our podcast title is a diet pod, which is riffing off two of the titles of things we're looking at today, which include the new horror movie, A Quiet Place, and also season two of Santa Clarita Diet. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I've just heard that uh, the Chinese space station Gong one has splashed down over the South Pacific mostly burned up on re-entry, the uh, state media is saying, uh, and um, started its descent around about 10.15am. And uh, I thought that uh, it would uh, impact some time today. That was where the pool was, (laughs) at least. So, yeah, sad farewell to yet another piece of space history there. Now... Season 2, Santa Clarita Diet. It's the Breaking Bad suburban zombie sitcom. Very, very interesting television show, I've always thought. And um, it's uh, dropped on Netflix, that second season. And that's the one where Undeadwood star Timothy Oliphant plays the husband in a married pair of realtors whose wife, played by Drew Barrymore, has become a zombie. The story revolves around how the couple go about catering to Sheila's novel dietary needs, which turns out to be a rather dexterish workaround as they decide she should only prey upon bad people, like, for example, a naughty Nathan Fillion or indeed a convenient group of neo-Nazis. At the same time, they're dealing with their teenage daughter, played by Liv Hewson, who is dealing with her mum being an undead cannibal. And both of her parental units being... um, Both of her parental units being serial killers, essentially. (laughs) Ah, dear. And outside the family unit is one of the team's friends, uh, a lad whose geek knowledge of zombies is profoundly useful, as it would be. Uh, Some clueless neighbours. It's almost traditional, isn't it, in a sitcom of any sort. Uh, A policeman whose nose for mysteries is a source of constant danger for the couple. And uh, the... Oh, actually, um, one of the neighbours is uh, one of the guys from Desperate Housewives, the guy who played Carlos. Huh. And the, the realtor's truly awful boss, 
and they're equally obnoxious realtor rivals. And there's a couple of zombie hunters and a number of special guest victims on Santa Clarita Diet. Now, the 10 episodes in Season 2 delve into the meta story of how Sheila and Joel Hammond go into this predicament in the first place and their ongoing quest to both cope with and get out of it as local law enforcement and paranormal buffs close in on them. And this is a spoiler of sorts... little spoiler music there, we find out that Nathan Fillion isn't even half the man he used to be in the second season. When Where I, Zombie, perkily explores the pathology police procedural genre crossover, or Brain Dead played its uh, Washington Corridors of Political Power tropes, and that's the streaming series, not any of the movies, The Santa Clarita Diet delivers in the weekly zombie sitcom mode. Think Z Nation, only without the zombie apocalypse setting, or perhaps the hilarious Zomcom movie of a few years past, Fido, with Billy Connolly in that title role. Along with the -the over-the-top gore factor, there's a reason this show is on a streaming service, and the offbeat take on the absurdities of everyday zombies and its tropes, where... SCD excels as being a uh, hilariously believable couples sitcom. Their increasingly complicated lives lead to a constant wrangling that's familiar to all families, uh, which is the the meat and potatoes of many a classic family-centric sitcom. We unlive for the whimsical moments about why something ends up in the junk drawer in the kitchen or how things would be easier if only someone hadn't misplaced the plastic lid to the 15-gallon guts container. At one stage, Sheila is looking in the kitchen for her detached finger. Well, don't ask, it's a zombie thing, the result of stress eating. And after a moment, she calls out to her husband, I found it, honey, and we have ants. (laughs) It made me chuckle more than enough to keep watching, even if they did manage to get Joel out of the psychiatric care institution he'd been locked in in the uh, end of the first season, so fast did it make a disembodied head spin. And by the way, did I mention it's very gory? It probably helps if you watch way too many zombie flicks before you come to this show. Now, there are there are two seasons on Netflix now, and this one's got ten episodes in it as well, Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, nice. Pleasantly unpleasant zomcom, sitcom. Remember me. Satisfy that niggling feeling with a Triple R subscription this April Amnesty. Subscribe by April 30 and go on the running to win one of five family passes to one of Victoria's three great zoos Hillsville Sanctuary, Werribee Open Range Zoo, and Melbourne Zoo. Every time you visit Zoos Victoria, it helps fight wildlife extinction. A four person banquet plus a complimentary bottle of house wine at Moorshead. A mixed dozen of Scotchman's Hill Estate Premium Wines from Scotchman's Hill Winery. A prize pack of six titles from Scribe Publications, from an array of genres including literary fiction, narrative non-fiction, politics and award-winning children's picture books. To subscribe, call 9388 or go to rrr.org.au. Remember me. 
a few things that need to be caught up with in the genre at the moment. Uh, let you know that the films of David Lynch are having a festival all by themselves, no, but with an audience, at the Astor on Chapel Street at uh, from the 9th of April onwards. It's uh, entitled A Place Both Wonderful and Strange, the films of David Lynch. And they've got The Elephant Man, Dune, Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart, Fire Walk With Me, the Twin Peaks movie, Lost Highway, The Straight Story, Mulholland Drive, and Inland Empire. All of these at the Astor from the 9th of April onwards, a cinema that's been genre-friendly pretty much all of its existence in terms of showing so many science fiction and fantasy and historical genre films. Now, we also have to let you know about some of the Melbourne Intervet National Comedy Festival acts this year. Uh, Adam McKenzie in the science fiction vein has Laser Light. Uh, it's about uh, the things that make Adam happy, lasers and Star Trek and laughing in the face of death. Another show called Ethos. Well, we know that uh, we love to create and hate what we've created. Skynet turned nasty because it read YouTube comments and decided humanity deserves to die. Well, in Ethos, this AI, artificially intelligent system, learns by watching a comedy show, which can go either way, I would think. Another one called You'll Never Guess Where I Hid the Cheese, which is about two superheroes who have to defeat the evil Mr. Cheesehead. The Sci-Fi Sketch Experience, which stars Andy Matthews and Alasdair Tremblay Birchall, has messages from the future, vegan breakthrough technology and the extinction of bees. These guys worked on... Um, uh, da, 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 the uh, Sean McCall's Mad as Hell and also the project working on uh, writing for that. Attack of the Plastic Time Monsters and all of these ones fall roughly into the science fiction genre. Uh, we've got um, people who are travelling backwards in time to save the world as they do. They can't find a cheerleader so in this case they're worried about dreaded plastic time monsters who are chasing after them. The Battle of the Superheroes, the great superhero debate. We've seen this one before over many years at the festival and it's basically a stand-up comedy, improv and interactive de debate where you've got um, both the audience and the comedians debating over who is the best superhero and for Whovians, I guess, who is the best? But... Of course, if you're into real superheroes, we all know that it's Iron Man. Now, Charlie Horse, Charles Horse, <laughs> Charlie Horse, Charles Horse has his show called Charles Horse Lays an Egg, which is, he, the description actually, I think I'll go with just the description. It may be a surreal physical comedy about a team of scientists who must somehow impregnate a giant space chicken to save humanity from total destruction. Or it may not be, depending on if he's had a better idea in the meantime. <laughs> Well, superheroes seem to be on the mind of this festival. There's much ado about Batman, which crosses a Shakespearean dialogue with um, the concept of the Dark Knight detective. Chris Lagig has Dr. Chris's Theory of Everything, one of a number of science-themed shows. Uh, Chris also being a science communicator who does uh, Lost in Science on Free CR. 
And there's Duff Attack of the Sex Robots. Uh, can you say Melanie Griffith and Cherry 2000? Probably, but you may not want to. Uh, first Dog on the Moon, the very popular cartoonist, has Surviving the Apocalypse. So a particular take on that. And The Ides of March deals with time travel. And once again, William Shakespeare, but going back into ancient Rome to investigate the murder of Julius, Julius Caesar. More superheroes. Improvolicius, the improvised guide to superheroes, where Ben Russell and Cassie Daly are demonstrating the power of improvisation. So they'll going to be doing a bit of improv about creating new superheroes and villains and so on. Now, something I probably should be careful about, seeing as how I'm reading this off my computer, Mac the Comedy Computer's Manic Melbourne Meltdown. So this is going to be for all of you bots out there and cyberpunks. Martin Dunlop has Jekyll and Hyde the sequel. So we'll be talking about something that happens after the Robert Stevens, Robert Louis Stevenson's classic has played out. Another science-based one is Matt Kilper for Science. And this is musical science comedy. <laughs> Plumbing the Death Star Live. This is one of a number of podcasts being done live through the medium of the comedy festival, which has become a thing in recent years. And Plumbing the Death Star Live is one of the pop culture podcasts around. Sammy J, Hero Complex, is reprising his story about he came of age with the help of a gardener uh, friendship and their love of the comic book hero, The Phantom. Sam Elliott peels the onion of knowledge, another science one, where uh, they'll get right into things like uh, the climate scientist who drank scotch on the rocks using 10,000-year-old ice. Continuing on the subject of technology, Shirley Hood has the rise of the planet of the apps, which gets best title from me for uh, punishment at the festival. And as you can imagine, it's all about those little pesky things on your... What are those things they call them? On mobile phones. Uh, Steel Wars has a live podcast. They'll be doing their Star Wars shtick there as they talk about um, all things fandom. And there's also Why You're Not Dead Yet, another science broadcast which... uh, tells you uh, pretty much everything in the uh, the opening of it. They're going to be talking about neuroscience in a comedic way. Uh, we've got Teaching a Robot to Love by Iani Agisaloo, and that's, um, again, about artificial intelligence in terms of it taking away our lives in the coming apocalypse with AI. Yo-Yo Guy is, uh, well, it's um, yo-yo comedy, but it's being sent on a special mission to outer space in zero-G. There you go. I'm Terry Pratchett, the undeservedly famous author of the Discworld novels, so you can believe me when I say that zero-G on 3 R is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the black stump. I also think Dibbler's delicious pork sausages are the finest eating anywhere, anywhere in the world, so you know you can trust me on this. Ha 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 with three exclamation marks. All right, now I am going to 
I could do uh, nothing but silence for the next film review. It might be safer. We'll whisper a little bit. A Quiet Place. This is a US American horror movie. Uh, it's just come out. It's directed by John Krasinski who is actually married to Emily Blunt, who, along with John, is one of the stars of the film. Screenplays by Krasinski, Brian Woods and Scott Beck. Uh, Woods and Beck are screenwriting and directing partners. They did a film called Impulse, a short story about the uh, the last day on Earth and how a particular man copes with it. And a supernatural horror film, Nightlight, with a, a fairly unique plot device, which I won't spoil unless you haven't seen it. Uh, now, we know that uh, Krasinski played Jim Halpert in the US version of The Office and also co-starred with Drew Barrymore in the drama Big Miracle. Drew Barrymore uh, singing away there earlier on. Uh, I think that uh, A Quiet Place is um, one of the movies that... Ha- it's not completely devoid of speech, but uh, since um, the days of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the episode Hush, this one, this film really, really is very effective in using that particular mode. Now, it stars uh, Emily Blunt as Evelyn Abbott. We've seen her before in Edge of Tomorrow, The Adjustment Bureau, Looper, The Huntsman, Winter's War, Into the Woods, and she's going to be Mary Poppins in the um, the Mary Poppins Returns movie, as well as uh, being in some mundane shows you might have heard of, like the... Uh, um, Dennis uh, Villeneuve's Sicario movie, quite successful that one. Uh, John Krasinski plays Lee Abbott, her husband, in this film. And we've also got Millicent Simmons turning in a terrific performance as Reagan, one of the uh, the children of the Abbotts. And she's a, a deaf American actress who we've seen before in Wonderstruck. Uh, Noah Jupe is playing one of the sons in the uh, the family, and we've seen him before as Kingsley Doyle in Houdini and Doyle, uh, as well as some minor roles in Penny Dreadful and Downton Abbey. And he's going to be in a Stephen King adaptation, My Pretty Pony, and also he's in the um, the science fiction film The Titan, which you might have heard of. Now, the tagline for A Quiet Place is, if they hear you, they hunt you. And we've had a lot of movies over the decades where they'll take away one sense from you. Quite often it's um, they'll leave you blind or else um, you'll be a deaf person. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of like um, some of the classic movies where, where the, the person's in the apartment and they're being attacked. Um, but they can't hear them or they can't see them or, you know, um, less often less often do they take away your sense of smell. It doesn't play quite so well in the cinema. Uh, but um, there was one science fiction movie where they took away your all of your uh, your feelings, not not the sense of touch, but just feelings. So it's, it's actually quite a common trope um, to do this kind of thing. So... Why are they taking that away? Well, the plot follows um, this family who have to uh, live out their life in relative silence, and I do mean all of their remaining relatives, because the monsters that are after them hunt by sound. So 
you know, they don't actually explain the monsters where they're from or anything like that in the uh, in the movie. That's not really a spoiler. Uh, well, I suppose it's a bit of a negative space one that you could construct. But this is my guess, and it can't be a spoiler because I'm only guessing. I think that the uh, the creatures that are hunting people by sound, um, they'd have to be some kind of uh, very sophisticated biological weapon, maybe a, an alien one or something, in which case, um, I, my first thought about uh, A Quiet Place is this should be the third Cloverfield movie and um, not that dreadful uh, Netflix Cloverfield paradox. So I reckon this one would function much better as that. Anyway, you've probably already guessed the procedural there. They, they have to be quiet. Um, certain sounds, uh, low-level sounds, like they walk around without um, shoes and socks on. Uh, feeling their way carefully so they don't um, make any noise. Although if you stepped on something sharp, you'd certainly make a noise. Hmm. Uh, there's a there is a musical soundtrack for this film. Um, they decided they'd have one because they didn't want it to just be like some kind of experiment in silence. Uh, I'd actually like to see when they get this round to putting it on DVD. I'd like to. Um, watch one without the musical soundtrack. I think that would be quite interesting. They, they did record a lot of diegetic sounds um, on set when they did this so that they could uh, get the reality there. And boy, do they. The, the do-or-die stakes are established right up front in the first 10 minutes of the film and after that you're pretty much on the edge of your seat throughout, hoping, hoping that you don't make the, uh, the leverette in the seat squeak or anything because the monsters will get you. Um, we're efficiently clued in the, in the course of the movie in w- that, that things have all gone pretty much to shit globally, so it's not just uh, this particular area. And its strength is that they're trying to protect the family unit. And you get the feeling that perhaps it was easier for this family because they could all sign to begin with to communicate with their daughter. Um, but easy is uh, <laughs> really a relative term. The acting in the story, it, well, it's, it's first rate throughout. I really, really bought um, Millicent Simmons' um, frustration that comes through because she's had a lifetime of um, of being uh, um, not cosseted or coddled but uh, of being looked after in some respects. And here it is, she actually kind of is a little bit more equipped to handle this um, just because of the way that she's had to uh, base her entire life around um, being sensitive to other people being able to hear. I'm not making a hash of uh, that explanation, but anyway, she's a great actress in this and I want to see more of her in roles. Emily Blunt and John Krasinski are are also excellent in this. Uh, They because of their husband and wife anyway, there's a chemistry that's going on there, a natural shorthand that actually carries them through not being able to talk very much. There are some circumstances where you can, um, but, you know, that's all part of the procedural. And the procedural in this, like in a zombie movie or any other monster movie or, or a police movie or, or anything like that, it's it's very well done with all the little nooks and crannies that you want them to explore because it's science fiction. We want to find out how it all works. 
Um, they have workarounds for different things that I won't spoil by telling you about. And one of the things that I really liked about this film, of this story of survival at a very basic level for a small group of people, you know the usual questions that you have, uh, why don't they do this? What about that? Um, actually, some of those things don't get answered, but a moment's thought about the situation they're in and you can work through the usual nitpicks yourself afterwards. So it's a great film to watch afterwards and talk about with people and go, well, maybe not talk about, maybe you have to sign, otherwise the monsters will get you. It's a, a genuinely clever edge-of-the-seat movie, A Quiet Place. Uh, it is playing at the cinema now and it doesn't last particularly long as a story because I don't think they could actually hold you in that level of suspense forever during the, the show, but uh, definitely recommended. This one gets a, I can't say, hell yeah, from Zero G. I have to go, hell yeah, because it's that sort of movie. Excellent movie. Uh, and I and I want to see more from John Krasinski. Uh, in, if he wants to try a few more genre films, go for it, because I think you've got a nice touch on this one. Hi, I'm Andrea Thompson, and I played Talia Winters, resident commercial telepath on Babylon 5. You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R, and I know what you're thinking. All right. Uh, now, we have many more things to talk to you about today in the science fiction, fantasy, and historical genre. Back to the 2018 Melbourne International Comedy Festival win the sort of miscellaneous category. Um, it's not surprising that some of the things that Zero-G is looking at at the festival tends to be a little bit unclassifiable. Well, Ben Volchik presents two episodes of an original radio comedy live on stage and he's doing all of the, uh, the voices, the sound effects, the dialogue all done by him and his computer. So he's got uh, Mysteries of an Uncanny Nature, and which stars Detective Errol Street investigating, well, the sort of X-Files of murders, and Prue Black, Outback Spy Hunter. So it's all there in this goon show, Hancock's half-hour-inspired radio dramedy by Ben Volchok. There's also the escape room, which is, I like just like the description on this one, a new escape room set up in Melbourne's historic Nicholas building falls victim to a dysfunctional group of office mates who might just smash the crap out of it if they can't crack its code. I just like that idea. Team building, yay. <laughs> in the fantasy vein, uh, we've got Chimp Cop, the death of Chimp Cop, <laughs> which is exactly what it, it says. It's about uh, family trying to find out what's happened to their chimp cop father. Dead Men Tell No Jokes, and that's a uh, Pirates of the Caribbean kind of comedy Hamilton-esque musical show. <laughs> Dice Paper Roll Live is another podcast one. We were talking about these before. This is uh, a D&D &D podcast, Dungeons and Dragons. So... They're going to record on stage live a couple of uh, new episodes. And we've also got um, Dragon Friends, a live Dungeons & Dragons comedy show. So that's another one. So this the second one has appeared at PAX uh, and um, also gone to uh, Wizards of the Coast over in Seattle. 
So that could be an interesting concept there. Ah, podcasts, they're just so popular now. Emma J. Hawkins has I Am Not a Unicorn, where we go down the rabbit hole with EJH, where Alice is probably drunk playing cards with Goldilocks and the Free Bears. This, of course, falls into the uh, the fantasy mode. Last week, we did an interview with the host of Game Show of Thrones, where a group of comedians have to improv once they choose their house in Game of Thrones mode and all the challenges are a theme from that, interactive with the audience as well. well. Listen to last week's podcast of Zero G if you want to find out more about Game Show of Thrones. And you can find all of the Zero G podcasts, of course, at rrr.org.au. And that's time to actually give a shout-out to our hard-working podcaster, Joe Alcinador, who does each week the necessary lifting and shoving to get Zero G all compacted into one podcast for your education, illumination and bafflement. Now, we've got George Glass doing the comedy Scientology, the musical. <laughs> that should be uh, fascinating for all sorts of reasons. Get your e-meters out now. And Gillian English has the comedy of Errors for Kids, which is a tale of twins who have their identities mistaken during a silly Shakespearean play. Lara Davis has Ghost Machine, which is a show about life performed by a ghost. And there's Pining for Affection, a tree musical about trees. All of this falls into the fantasy vein, including the Mighty Littles doing their junior Mighty Little Puppet Show, which is um, improvised storytelling with puppets. And Po Po Mo Co is a vampire camp retelling of Nosferatu. <laughs> okay, where do they get these ideas from? In the big book of comedy ideas, Rama Nicholas has In Death Rides, oh, sorry, Death Rides a Horse. Um, she's actually doing her critically acclaimed Spaghetti Western musical for this one. Uh, we also have the Thornbury Picture House promoting its Real Funny episode, What We Do in the Shadows. And this is actually the um, the movie of the same name, the documentary, the uh, one that uh, Taika Waititi has produced, you know, the man who brought you the hunt for the wilder people. And also a little film which you may have heard about, uh, Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> so, I, by the way, if you... Uh, and this is going to be at the, uh, the new... Thornbury Picture House. Unless it's already played, I could be behind there. Anyway, um, a new venture out there, the uh, the new Thornbury Picture House just being uh, cranked open as Melbourne's newest independent cinema. Independent cinemas are always interesting to Zero G because they do tend to play rather a lot of genre content. Now, uh, there's Sooth Players, completely improvised Potter. So, again, Harry Potter improv. And there are some also some uh, historical uh, comedy picks at the festival, including Golden Owl events presenting Horrendous, the bizarre true trial of a very dead pope in the Dark Ages, 
and Lano and Woodley are flying in their reunited story, and this is going to be about uh, the Wright brothers, which will obviously go terribly wrong once they exposed to Colin and Frank. Uh, the Souf players are doing completely improvised Shakespeare, and we've also got the WTF Renaissance, which is um, Renaissance and medieval paintings accompanied by modern captions. I like that kind of thing. All of these events are at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival this year, and I will try and promise to put up a list on Facebook at the Zero-G part and also... Uh, Pop it up into today's listings at rrr.org.au. Give me time. <laughs> I'm flying cyber solo today. I'll get it there. Get there. This is John English aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction Fantasy and Historical Radio, and we haven't finished yet. You may have detected a certain undeadness to Zero G today. <laughs> That's uh, usually our mode when we get into Easter. Vampires or zombies. Some, for some reason, it's always suggested by this particular festive season. All right. And we are talking about a, another horror film at the moment. And um, this is a uh, video DVD. Well, probably not a video, actually. DVD called The Girl With All The Gifts. Not the gifts, the gifts. And it is a zombie apocalypse movie. And this particular single disc is from Universal. And there's only one disc in it and there's no extras. But you don't actually need them. Now, uh, it's a 2016 British post-apocalyptic zombie horror drama. It's directed by Colm McCarthy, written by Emma Carey. And... The, uh, the book and the film were written together. So, you know, just both at the same time. So uh, Kerry also worked on the, uh, the screenplay as well. So this is a film that stars Gemma Arterton and Paddy Considine, Glenn Close and a young lass called Senia Nanua. And it's basically uh, set during a British zombie apocalypse and probably extended further out over the world. You know how these things go. Got to have everything in there. It's a global world. And it starts off in a military facility, which is completely locked down. And they're essentially experimenting upon a group of children and it's so well thought out in these early stages and well executed that uh, you immediately are taken out of some of the traditional tropes of the zombie movie which is always difficult to do you know this is a genre that's been staggering around for quite some time All right, now, the uh, director, Colm McCarthy, has done a lot of television work, actually. He did the pilot for Krypton, the DC series, uh, the Black Museum episode of Black Mirror. He's worked on Peaky Blinders, the Doctor Who serial, The Bells of St. John, Sherlock, Outcast is a 2010 supernatural film that he did, which is to say he's worked on Sherlock and also a film called Outcast. Um, now, M.R. Carey, the, uh, the, the writer, has 
is a comic book writer actually did uh, the ultimate fantastic four comic x-men legacy uh, and also did um the spin-off god save the queen from neil gaiman's sandman universe so i looked at that and i thought you know there's some there's some talent in here that knows what it's doing just to start with so i watched the movie and was really impressed by it thought yeah this is the the kind of zombie movie i don't mind seeing it's a lot of stuff that's just rubbish in that subgenre but uh, every now and then you find some gold in it and that's what the girl with all the gifts is uh Gemma Arterton uh we've seen before of course in uh, fantasy films like Clash of the Titans Prince of Persia the vampire contemporary vampire story was it contemporary no it might not have actually been uh Byzantium and of course she was um uh Gretel in Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters uh, as well as being in some of the St. Trinian's movies. She played uh, Elizabeth Bennett in, Lost, Bennett in Lost in Austin. I think she was in a James Bond movie, if memory serves me, as Strawberry Fields. Not that she will forever be known by that role. Um, she's uh, playing a sympathetic teacher in the military facility and you know that's always going to be uh, a difficult um decision when you're befriending children who are, well, let's face it, the children are some kind of zombies. Paddy Considine plays one of the military leaders, Sergeant Parks, in the film. Uh, we have, of course, seen him in um, Richard uh, Ayode's uh, adaptation of Submarine, as well as being in The World's End, Hot Fuzz, and playing Banquo in the, one of the more recent Macbeths, and you can catch up with him again in the death of Stalin black comedy that's on at the moment, the cinemas. Uh, he has a thankless task in this, being the voice of military authority in these sorts of films, never really gives you a chance to be the good guy, but he's actually quite a complex and inflected character as much as you can be in the course of, uh, of a movie like this. Glenn Close is in this film too, and I thought, what? what's Glenn Close doing in a zombie film? Uh, she's playing a doctor. This is not her first genre rodeo, of course. We've seen her most recently in Guardians of the Galaxy, but before that in Mars Attacks and 101 Dalmatians. And she was even in the, uh, the reboot of The Stepford Wives. Uh, she has a uh, an interesting character arc in this one, I thought. The one who outshines all of these veteran actors is Senia Nanua, who has only been, as far as I can tell, in one 2015 film about um, uh, racial uh, harmony and not in 1980 Leicester, uh, a film called Beverly. But here she is just terrific as one of the young zombies, a character called Melanie. Just a, a breakout, standout performance from her in this film. Given that she spends a large part of the film handcuffed, masked or completely restrained in a wheelchair, uh, targeted by hostile and wary squaddies with weapons free, she's a very polite, hungry as they call them in this. Uh, and it's um, uh, quite uh, clear that she is zombieish when her daily ration of live prey arrives wriggling at her cell. The procedural in this, always an important thing in any science fiction or fantasy film, zombies. They're uh, runners in this, um, which is always um, a downer if they're runners. Uh, if you get bitten by them, you turn pretty much immediately. It's spread by bodily fluids. Uh, and the zombies have this, this really actually um, nasty habit of uh, standing around quietly when they're not being triggered by sound uh, or fast movement. 
that is a very creepy way to do it. It's like they're kind of um, flesh and blood landmines standing out there. Oh, scary stuff. Did they do that in um, World War Z in the uh, less than satisfactory movie? I think they did something like that in that one. Anyway, the procedural is quite good. There's an interesting take on the zombie virus in this one or whatever it is. Uh, and everyone's really trying to do just the best that they can in the story, which I kind of appreciated. I didn't feel like there were too many out-and-out villains, mm, apart from one, maybe one character. Uh, the Girl with All the Gifts reminds me of movies like Warm Bodies or uh, Colin. Uh, these are zombie movies of uh, some good repute. And the visuals in this are quite worthy of uh, something like 28 Days Later and its sequel. Uh, or it also reminds me a little bit in its um, in its sort of uh, more intimate sort of uh, character relationships of uh, Train to Busan from um, 2016 by Yon Sang Ho. Uh, so there's all sort of good good vibes coming from this zombie movie. They actually filmed footage of abandoned cities in uh, or over the U- Ukrainian town of um, Pripyat which has been essentially uninhabited apart from tourists and a few stray animals since the 1986 Chernobyl disaster. And I'm watching this footage thinking, gee, that's effective. That looks like it costs a million bucks to make. And I'm thinking, wow, hmm, uh, it's real. Oh, my God. Huh. So, yeah, uh, The Girl with All the Gifts, it's directed by Colm McCarthy and written by Mike Carey, uh, an outstanding little zombie film. And, um, well, you know, I think that this uh, is a genre that's hard to play something new in and they have managed to do that. Well, that's about it for Zero G today. All right, Joe Brunetic coming up next with Astral Glamour and we'll see you next week after He Has Risen, which is to say all of these zombies that we've been talking about today. Where's Buffy when you need her? This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.